0: There, there's a TikTok campaign. They show Nicole Kidman getting in her car. She's headed to the movies, right? And those are just it you should know, those, be those t- yes. trailers ahead. And then when you, you know, when is it going to be It's this weekend? And it's like the weekend of Avengers Secret Wars or something, whatever the biggest movie of the year is going to be so that every person who goes to AMC gets to see this uh-huh. new Nicole Kidman, you know, heartbreak feels good in a place like this, you know, pre-movie. What I don't even know what it is hype. I hype video. I think that they I, think do. The vi- like, I
1: think the viral campaign is people coming, and all of a sudden, the explosion of people being like, "Oh my
2: god, there's a new!"
1: and recording it on their phone, wanting to go because it out. if they put it out, then they're not going to go to the movie theater; they're going to see it online. So yeah. they- you
2: have to tease it to get people to go, but you right. can't give it away online. Yeah, and they should do no. Definitely don't give the whole thing away online. No, because yeah. like when they should do like when a full movie premiere rolls out. And Nicole Kidman should surprise audiences in various theaters. She should just be there, like, when The Rock comes out and what? is like, thank you for coming to Black Adam 7. Before that. before the
0: new video rolls, Nicole Kidman and the director of the video should be thanking you for coming back to the theaters again and then saying, thank you, please watch. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know what the point of the video is. It's like a hype video, In these unprecedented
2: times, going to the theater is more important than ever.
0: In 2024.
2: In 2024. 20- and we thank you. <laughs>
1: And then all of a sudden, the co just comes out of every screen like a, like in 3D, but you're not wearing
0: glasses. Yeah. If AMC was smart, they would cut a deal to also show it at Regal and yeah. Cinemark, you know, just for that one weekend.
1: Yeah. I don't even still uh, to who, this day. Who's going to, how understand. is Regal
0: going to copycat
1: it? Are they going to get like Chloe Feynman to just they do can't the impression? Because
2: whenever I go to Regal, their pre show is trash compared yeah. to AMC. It's, I don't even know what it is. What is it? It's not even very memorable. It's is it mostly. The- it's like is it an art attack
0: happened in a place like that.
2: It's like an animated roller coaster. Type. Roller
0: coaster. It's a roller coaster, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what Cinemark does, but it's. I don't know. What is it? I mean, it's just like a hype video, but like she makes, she doesn't make, there's no commentary about, you know, don't text. Like they have a separate video for the don't text, don't talk. Well, don't it made sense when loudly. it dropped, right?
2: Because they, the a- they did the Nicole Kidman video when theaters were reopening and they were trying to remind people like, Hey, here's why you like this place. Remember, mm. but now it feels weird yes. because it's the same language from two years ago. It's yeah, hung I around, it's hung around. how they switch it up mm-hmm. because it made sense initially. They were trying to be like, "Hey, we're back," and Nicole Kidman's here too, so you should. But be it,
0: here. but it's become the Kingsman trailer where you're just like, "Is this ever gonna right. stop running in
2: front of well, movies?" It, it's become such such a. It's gone from icon to meme to. It Now it's just part of their identity. I don't think they could ever get rid of Nicole. Uh, you know, it's on the Morbius loop, you know? It's had the whole, it's had the whole Plus, thing. Plus, you know, AMC's been thrown into the whole meme stock thing. They're a meme stock where mm-hmm. people just buy stock in them because for the lulls, I don't know. So AMC's a whole weird thing right now. Yeah, And I'm here for it. They um, met
1: an opportunity, in my opinion, every time that they don't dim the light when she said dim the light. Yeah, I mean... Every time she does that, and every movie theater is either already dim or they're not dim, and then they don't bring it down, next opportunity to really get people elevated for
0: that. Make it a show, you know? We used to have Regal bought the Warren Theater in Broken Arrow. Before big movies in their infinity, they'd have like a little light show and music before before the thing actually started. It was great. I know, getting
2: rid of that was a mistake. That made it an experience.
0: Now too far away to go to, and I don't really care.
2: I know. Well, here we are, another week closer to Christmas.
0: Yes, we're back on Christmas, family. <laughs> we uh, Christmas should be uh, this Sunday, I think.
2: Y'all, y'all done your Christmas shopping yet? I have. Oh, yeah. I just started. A... In late, it's the eighteenth. I know, I know, but I just started. I went to Target, went shopping for my niece and nephew. Right?
0: Yeah. Bless
2: your heart. It was a mistake. I should have done it online.
0: Do you do a whole, do you do like the whole, do you do something for everybody in the family? Do you guys do, do you guys draw names?
2: No, it's tough because we don't have a system really. So I feel, obviously, the like kids are prioritized on Christmas. They for sure get presents. Right. And then it's, I don't know, after that.
0: It's like gift cards or, Right, you know, gift cards. Oh, I, I saw this shirt that I thought you'd like. Those yeah.
2: kind of fun little things. But it's like the focus is on let's get the kids some. The kids need something cool for Christmas, right? That's the mindset I get myself in. Now, David, you've got a kid now. So yeah.
0: I'm curious if it's the same for you. He's I, the last, he's the person I haven't bought anything for yet. Is it because kids. you overthink it? A little bit. And because also I do. just Because I know that I'm going to get an influx of stuff. So mm-hmm. there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to buy. Don't want to buy his love, but he's gonna get eighteen fifty things that day. Um, see, I so want to like, be part of me. is like I, I hesitate. I want to see what he gets first and then buy him a present. So I, I want to be his,
2: like, like, the cool uncle and get a cool Christmas present. So I'm, I always am like, is this cool enough? I don't yeah. know if this is cool enough. For a well,
0: second. yeah, and you're like, and kids, you know, their interests change so frequent, so quickly. Because you'll be like November, and they'll be like, oh man, I love Transformers, and you're like, oh great, Transformers, tee that in, and then by December, like they've moved on to just dino ranchers or whatever and you're you're out of the loop we kind of have a system where you know we have a budget you know like we don't spend more than x amount on each individual my brothers and i would draw names so i would so as kids we would never buy something for both brothers i like so it's just three of us so i would we would draw names and i would usually we just rotate wouldn't really draw but i would buy for my youngest brother my middle brother would buy for me you know brother would buy for him we just swap. Every other year. It was an all right. It was pretty good. We did this. We did a similar thing with like the cousins when I was younger. As we get older, you know, you don't really, you know, buy presents necessarily for your cousins or right. distant relatives, things like that. I still like to try to find something for my mom and dad if I can. That said, my wife has kind of taken over buying for my mom because she finds really nice stuff for her mom and my mom. Dads are hard to shop for, though, which thinks I know I'm going to. Dads are
1: always hard to shop for. Just looking at well, I my went feature. had a whole running gag with my father that I created that he was not a part of. Where right. I just said, All you ever say is that you just want a I don't know, a trash can. You just want a big trash can. I'm oh, a big trash can, I'll be fine, big trash can. And that would just come up for birthdays, holidays, Father's Day, Yeah, just get him a big trash can. So finally one Christmas we did. We bought him a big, giant trash can. And <laughs> for a thing that he never actually said that he wanted, but everyone believed that he really wanted so much. And you know, then that he put out trash cans for a few that the next year still so damn trash can. <laughs> And they make the house.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, my dad over the last few years. My dad loves golf, but golf is a very expensive hobby to buy for, and so it's always kind of a challenge to find something that's in my little price range for golf stuff. It, you know, yeah, if it's leave not a that, golf ball, huh? Oh, golf balls. Even golf balls can be kind of pricey depending on which ones you they go can't. get. But, you know, shirts, this year I've got him a pretty cool gift. I will avoid saying in case he watches this particular podcast, but I think I got him a pretty nice gift. My nephew, Bentley, really, he's only, he's just over two years old, super sports interested for some reason, loves to play basketball, up at 3 a.m. shooting hoops. He's always game to play, loves every sport, loves to actually sit down and watch whole basketball games. But he also loves golf. He likes to get he like, he it continually. He's always trying to steal my dad and my uh, brother's clubs, <laughs> and he loves to get. He has little toy clubs, and he'll just sit. He'll sit in the kid's room. So like Jack will be playing with little toys, and his older brother will be watching, you know, something on his tablet. And Billy will just be over in the over in a corner, just chipping balls across the room. He's a crazy little kid, so I think he'll enjoy this gift as well as a little darter fanatic. Darter young. Yeah, this year, my best advice is always try to just buy something when you see it, you know, and think to yourself, I'm just going to hold on to this for Christmas. It, it could be June if you're like, oh, my brother loves blank and they're on sale or whoever it is, you know.
2: You know, I wish I could be that kind of shopper, but I just, I'm
0: not. Yeah, it's taken a long time to get myself there because a lot of times I just go, ah, I, you know, I got eight months or whatever it is. But sometimes I'll see something, and I go, oh, they like that. And I'm right here, standing here looking at it. And I've become so dependent on Amazon and just even online versions of the stores. I my least favorite thing. I do it all the time. My least favorite thing is to be standing in the physical store and go to their website and just buy the item. But a lot of times they won't have it, so I'll be yeah, like, standing a lot of times it's cheaper there. online, yeah. yeah. And, and they are, you know, it's a, and they'll deliver right to my house. It's great, yeah. but, you know. I'm always, but I always I like to be able to physically hold it because I can be like, I have it. Mm-hmm. Nothing's gonna happen to it. I have it. I can take it. I can take it home right now. You know, it, it's taken a while. We, got really pro online shopping, and then I'm trying to kind of like even it out.
2: Yeah, it's important to do a little bit of both because you got to support your local stores. Even the, you know, even the chains, those are people. You know, you got to support them too. It's good to do both, but maybe it's not always great to wait to, to this point in the year to go do it in person. Or you're going to end up in a jingle all the way situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, and depending yeah. on what, if you know what you're looking for, it's great. If you don't yeah. know what you're looking for, it can be really tough because, you know, just... Staring at walls and walls. Yep.
2: Well, hopefully everybody listening has done their Christmas shopping already or is doing it online to prevent any of the craziness. But we are closer to Christmas. Getting there. We're three movies into so many Santas as of today, this episode. Let's get into it. Let's get into our topic of the week. This week is my pick. I chose to have us watch and discuss Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. And this was a hard choice for me, because it wasn't what I really wanted to pick, but I didn't know what I wanted to pick was the problem. It's like
0: last year when you picked Batman Returns.
2: Right. I couldn't decide if I wanted to do a classic, or if I wanted to do something laughably bad, like one of those Christmas rom-coms. Ernest Saves Christmas? No. (laughs) Rom-com? Not quite like Ernest Saves Christmas, but I couldn't find one that felt worthy you right. know what i mean notice now i mean <laughs> that was a fun not intended so i went with home alone 2 a classic
0: yeah uh, our first so many santa sequel because we've we did home alone one it was one of the first so many santas yes movies. we did do
2: home alone and had a great time with it home alone 2 we hadn't gotten to yet so i figured well, that's the next best classic i can think of that i want to do now so that's what I mean when I say I didn't really want to pick this movie, but I do understand. love it, and I still loved it. let us I was trying to think of who I want to hear from first, like I could be surprised, but I think I want to hear from Garrett first Yeah, about this movie.
1: You know, we, I think I talked about this whenever we did the original one, is that the Home Alone franchise is not one that I, like, carried over long-term. It's not one of the seasonal watches that I watch over and over. There was a long gap before I got there. This one I feel like I see on TV a lot. I never catch it at the beginning it's usually on like one of those 37 days of christmas or whatever that they do on one of those channels but so this is again the first time that i have really sat down to watch the second one in quite a while and we had such a good time doing the first one this one is essentially the exact same thing and i'm just not a downside like the second half of the movie you could easily think that it's the first one if you're just watching it and be like is this the first one or the second one i'm not exactly right. sure it is almost the exact same thing the first half of the movie feels like a completely different movie and I enjoyed that aspect of it. I liked seeing Kevin get into mischief. I always love seeing Kim Curry. That's always a plus. And then Rob Schneider's there too. So, Rob Schneider had
0: probably his best film role. I yeah, wrote the that. the he speaks the better. <laughs> <laughs> the best Rob Schneider speaks normally the better. Well, and uh, he does, a pre- I mean, for what the character is, it's exactly, he does exactly what it requires.
1: That's exactly what I want to try. He's kind of smarmy, you know, a little slimy. And that's what I want Rob Schneider to be. <laughs> and having said that, it is a lot of fun to see, you know, Harry and Marv get their butt kicked by Kevin again. He, they out the murderous nature of that <laughs> shtick. Yeah. I mean, you hit as soon as you hit him with the brick on like a top of a roof, the, the man is dead. He is. You hit him with four bricks, the man is
0: color like, if he survived the first brick, the second brick would dis, it would instantly end his life. Like he would be what there. Would question. be no thought. You know, it would be like when a cow gets shot with one of those things. It's just like instant lights out. You know.
1: It, and so just the over the moon absurdity there is some really nice element but the one one part really does not hold up well it never really has but that one part is really bit the, the rough part now the contractually um, I mean, obligated I'm, part oh, obligated insurrectionist you know, part yeah
0: it was lesser and tamer than i my memory had it as you know what i mean like it happened and i almost missed it I almost completely. Yeah, could, yeah. it was so yeah. underwhelming of a moment. Like they didn't hang on it or anything, really. So no. I had blown it up in my memory so it to be so much grander of a moment.
1: Yeah. Again, the, the this whole family sucks. I mean, the whole
0: family sucks. They Kevin suck. didn't do
1: anything wrong, and then Buzz was like the butt of or like the problem, and everyone was laughing. And then Kevin is the problem. No, this family sucks. Kevin Thank out. you. Get, I thought the out. same thing.
2: Yes. The whole family still treats Kevin like shit. Yes. He was right to punch Buzz.
0: And the entire <laughs>
2: school was wrong to laugh at the bully. Right. Mm-hmm. And my... then the fact that Shits Creek Catherine O'Hara was gonna make Kevin apologize to Buzz still. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. No. Did you all wife... learn
2: nothing from the first movie?
0: They learned nothing. There was a... <laughs> they oh, learned uh... nothing. I'll give the mom credit. She really tried. At every moment before losing Kevin to not lose Kevin he was thinking she was looking for him where's Kevin there he is got it Kevin she was really jarring and it happened anyway I was gonna say my wife said that she firmly believes that Kevin when he once he turned 18 turn, cut off all contact with his of family Of course, he moved out of that no house question. And he yeah. never looked back he doesn't know? deserve mm-hmm. them but the dude the kid well, we'll get into it later the kid is a high-functioning sociopath he is we'll get into it more Kevin? later I, I that's one of my Kevin yeah. yes okay he is. We'll, but that's yeah. my
1: general thought. This movie is, I mean, it's not as good as the first. There's absolutely no reason for it to be 15 minutes longer than the original one, and it felt a little long. And again, the, the, it does seem like the movie's shit. It's got one piece, and then it switches to Harry and Marvin. I don't necessarily think you needed them. You had Rob and Tim that you could have mm-hmm. messed with a little bit, and I think they would have served the purpose. Yeah. And so when they made that switch, it really just became Home Alone. And again, while not a problem, it wasn't It it was just a rehatch
0: at that point in time. I'm glad you said that. I I thought that, but I kind of thought that it would probably be met with backlash to say that Harry and Marv almost like you don't still need them. You know, it just feels repetitive, especially when you have Tim Curry, who's great. You have Rob Schneider, who is an actor, and you could have them. (laughs) You could have them fulfill that same role in a different way, you know. And but I guess it's, you know, sequels have changed a lot, even just in the last 30 years. So I feel like people were like Harry and Marv. And Kevin, that's the po. That's the movie. Yeah. That's what Homeland is. Those three, you know. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because like there, there's just truly no reason that they would cut co- that the that this meeting would happen. You know that it would coincide that they just happen to go to New York at the same time Kevin accidentally does. Mm. It feels so forced, and yeah. it is. But it's you know it's, it's- fine. It's contrived, but
0: they don't even really make that hard of an effort to contrive it, you know?
2: I will say, I did love the way we found out about the Wet Bandit's escape, which I made sure to make a note of, is of how much I miss the days of finding out about major plot points through a windblown newspaper. That happens... All the time in old movies, where a, pe- a newspaper is, blows into a you know, wall, and you're like, "Oh God, a plot point." We have, you know, we have a we have
0: lost many tropes from the '80s, but this is one that should make a comeback. Is the windblown newspaper? I guess today's would be somebody dropping their cell phone at the wrong moment. You know, just right on, and just right. There's the exposition for a you.
2: Notification that pops up when you're on DCS, Do Not Yes, you know, yeah.
0: yeah. It says Wet Bandit's Escape Prison. <laughs> they had a Google alert for Wet bandits. Which might be a completely different category in these days. Anyway, David, did you
2: have more general thoughts before? Do we are we just in a free for all now?
0: No, yeah, I have some general thoughts to kind of. I echo a lot of what Garrett said. I don't watch. I haven't watched this one as much. It is, it it is like very beat for beat Home Alone one with just some New York, you know, trappings on it. You know, I do think that it's. I think though that in terms of I do think it flows a little better in some ways. Like the opening of Home Alone 1 is so chaotic and it's so forgettable, I feel like the first part of the first Home Alone. Um, I talked about, years ago, we went and we saw Home Alone 1 with the symphony, a symphony performance. And I think you, the three of us, we talked about how in my memory, because I hadn't watched Home Alone in like a long time, the stuff where he's fighting Harry and Marv, in my memory was like the whole film was like the first, there was like all this other stuff. And same thing here, like, they save Harry and Marv and this, you know, you know saw house for like the last twenty five, twenty eight minutes of the movie, and that's like the that's the most memorable part of it in a lot of ways. And so this one at least filled in with a little bit more, like you said, with the hotel guest. He's outsmarting them, so it kind of has two. It kind of has it's broken up into those two halves. I think. I think Macaulay Culkin. I don't know if I want to say this or not because I feel like Macaulay Culkin is cool enough of a person that he might stumble on a clip of so many sequels. Um, It'd be
2: nice to Macaulay,
0: and maybe he would say, maybe he would refute this, maybe he wouldn't. I kind of feel like he phones it in a little bit with this movie. Like I feel like he, I feel like he was bored for some of it. There are moments where it's, gr- where it's like Macaulay Culkin peak, and then there's some times where I'm just like. Is he pl- like is he intentionally trying to sound completely disassociated from the lines, or is like because like that's what Kevin is, or is he just like I'm just saying these lines to get to I got to get I want to get to that hour lunch you know, or something that's like that. Interesting
2: because I thought he was so charming. He is at
0: times. There is a moment in this movie when he first realizes that he is lost in New York. Lost in New York. The streets are numbered, you know. The- when he first realizes he is lost, there is a great moment, a great Macaulay Culkin face moment, right? Where he ages like 10 years in the moment. Like he is he sits down in the New York skylines in the background, he's like, I'm all alone in New York. And he looks seven. I mean, the character is supposed to be like ten. He looks like a lost seven year old boy. And then he says again,
2: I'm
0: alone in New York. And he has this smirk on his face and he is instantly Ferris Bueller. Like he is instantly seventeen year old high schooler ready to get into trouble, right? And I was just like, Ben. I was like, I was just like blown away by like how good Macaulay Culkin was at probably like 10, 12 years old here. But then there were other times in the movie where I was just like, I was like, I was thinking about how Kevin like really does have like sociopathic tendencies and he's so disassociated from like everything he says. Like he, whenever he's giving somebody a compliment, he's like, that's really nice of you, Mr. Duncan. Yeah. I will give you an extra $20 here. And he just sounds like he's like, he sounds like he's a robot when he's giving him money and stuff. He's like, turtle doves, what are those doing? Like, he's seemingly present in anything that's going on, while also, you know, it's not until he's confronted with, like, bad things, that he's like, oh, and he's, like, trying to get out of there. But, yeah, I don't know. There's just some moments where it just seems like I don't know if it's a choice because he's trying to play this smart-alecky kid or if just an actor who doesn't want to be there. There are those clips. You'll see those clips of Macaulay talking about acting as a kid and how it's really exhausting. And, he's you know, he's a kid. He's 12 years old. It's exhausting, and you're not just—he's not just like a kid on a TV show. He's a kid in like a million-dollar movie that like is going to have all this marketing, you know, like a huge franchise, and it's probably really tiring. So I I wouldn't blame him if that were the case. That's just something that stuck out to me, and maybe I'm completely off base. So I apologize if I am.
2: Interesting. No, I didn't get that.
0: Oh, also, I feel like Harry is the worst person within the Wet Bandits. But Marv gets it worse. Like Marv gets the worst. Pun- like his punishment is so much, so terrible. But Harry's like the badder guy. I feel like, and Harry's well, Marv's like,
2: the dumber guy. He's pinky. He's just,
0: he is, and that's and that, and so I feel I end up feeling bad for Marv no. by the end of by the end he's of all fine. these
2: things. He gets awful, man. He's fine though. He gets he brushes. His... But well, that's mean, he's, the thing.
0: He's Daffy Duck, but he is. I feel as an adult when I watch these movies, I just can't. The stuff at the end with the traps and stuff. I just end up. It just hurts me now to watch it.
2: I mean the whole reason they're in they have to stay in the movie is because Marv is so dumb he tells Kevin the entire plan. I know, but also Kevin so Kevin doesn't have to do this. Like he doesn't have to put the He doesn't matter. have to after protect he, the toy store after, but he chooses to. He
0: chooses to, but after it's he Christian. takes the pictures he could just run to the police station. Like he knows what he's going to go do. Find the nearest police station, take the photo and run or since there's literally one at every corner, apparently, just go say, hey, officer, I think two men are robbing this store and bust him in the moment. He does not have to put them through the torture house, but he does. Want to know why? Because he's a murderer. He's a future <laughs> murderer. I don't disagree <laughs> that
2: Kevin is a No, guy. I don't either. He, he absolutely is. Gonna,
0: he is going to, one, never speak to his parents again, and two, kill homeless people for the rest of his he's life. He's too
2: damn smart. He's the smartest person in the movie by a mile. I mean... I. You know, he's I butter. would agree
0: with that, except for the one part where,
1: again, I say that his family sucks. But in this movie, it's his fault. It is his fault that he got lost. It, it is. Because all of the stuff, he's running. And then he just decides to stop and change the batteries in the middle of his thing but In the middle, without telling anyone. He didn't even tell anyone. He just stopped. He's at the back of the line. He didn't he say, hey, Dad, wait, I'm going to change these things. He just stopped. Mm-hmm. And then went and then decided to run. And that, Kevin, is your fault. You are it's correct.
0: A, but it's a completely unnecessary thing to do in the middle of this, this high speed moment. There's a ahead. big
2: but here. And that is that, much like the first movie, Kevin never actually cared that he got lost. He had quite a good time with it. He loved it. He- Not until Christmas comes and he realizes he misses his family did he ever care. He was living it up with his dad's credit card. And hang on, I gotta check my yes. I wrote, Mom and Dad deserve to lose every penny that Kevin spent. I don't every penny that that he spent, they deserve to lose. I'll tell you what, so stupid,
1: you know. And they got that much cash, it's a good credit card, man. I'll tell you what, rolling around with a bag of cash that dad was in that movie. He's ready for
0: vacation. Honestly, this family is so frustrating for so many reasons. One, after the events, because they hit it on the head like three times that this is the next Christmas after Home Alone. This has not been five years down the line. Nobody call them. Like, why in their... Were they not traumatized enough? If I was the mom, I would be like, no, we are absolutely not going anywhere for Christmas. I spent last Christmas riding across the country with the Polka King of Chicago. I am not going back. (laughs) We are not flying anywhere. We're not doing anything. We are staying home with Kevin. Also, we established this family's rate, but
1: what do they do? Oh, what, no, 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 no. where do they have this amount of money? Like he just has enough money. Like the dad, he had, after going to Paris, after spending all that money to find him, after that, after now he's paying for everybody's ticket to go to, where were they going? London or wherever Florida. they were supposed to go? To Florida, Florida.
2: Florida. Yeah, they went to Florida. Florida this time. Which, I mean, why, what do they do?
0: This is an unsathomable amount of money. Oh, and it's and they're not just taking like three kids. They're taking like oh, they're taking like cousins. what is it? Four kids and like and three cousins and then like their yeah. aunt their parents. Yeah. You know, I are, know who who are you know what? They're all bad, but one of the worst is Uncle Frank.
2: That guy's a jerk. Oh, he's definitely a pervert. He's the one that he cat kills first. You know, first of all, you all forget it's the early 90s and everybody had money that way and everything was flowing and everyone was happy all the time. Inflation was low. Inflation
0: was low. Everything (laughs) was great.
2: But Kevin was right from the start even then because he was the only one who didn't want to go to a tropical climate for Christmas, and I agree with him. Well,
0: regardless of the tropics, like, do we not remember last year and how how that ruined everything? Like, let's just stay here. Why are we doing it again? And, like... I just can't imagine them doing it again. And then, and of course, they lose them for the second year in a row. After that point, if you're uh, if you're these parents, you go. We can never do. This. We can never fly again. We can. We just have to. We just have to stay in Chicago.
2: And much much like the outdated trope of the windblown newspaper today, Kevin would never get on an accidental flight because they dropped the boarding passes.
0: Uh, yeah, just- I mean, it was just like it was it, for the time. It made it made enough sense. I would have thought if. <laughs> Prior to this year, oh, man, I'm going to do it again. Prior to this year, I would have thought that even something like this would be unlikely. But earlier this year, I listened to the Conan podcast, Conan needs a Friend. He had Molly Shannon on. And Molly Shannon talked about how when she was 14, her and her friend snuck on a plane and flew to New York and hung out in New York for a few hours and then called their dad and went, hey, we're in New York. Can you come get us? And he had to drive from, like, Minnesota or somewhere like that to come get them. They snuck on a plane. Completely
1: different time.
0: It was yeah, a yes, completely totally different, different time. 9 nine
1: eleven. No security. No no security.
0: No one even look. No even pay attention. Where did these two children come from? Do you have tickets? They didn't even bother. You can barely
1: get inside an airport anymore without a ticket.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, so like it was well, good. and it, like I don't yeah. know. I might cut out what I'm about to say, but y'all know that for a time, airliners were hijacked often. Yeah. That was an almost common occurrence.
0: Yeah, it, was, it wasn't,
2: it was pretty, it was, you know, people would just take the plane, and go wherever they want. And they'd like land it somewhere else for ransom usually. But that was a thing. I mean, another, so we established that they didn't learn anything. The family didn't yeah. learn anything after no. the first movie. They also no make letter. it very clear that they didn't learn anything after this one because they come back to the hotel. They wake up on Christmas. Mr. Duncan has showered them with gifts. Mm-hmm. Buzz does this half-assed, terrible speech about how Kevin should get to open the first present and they all agree and then they don't let him. No, they <laughs> all open a, They like, immediately tear into it, everything it right was, after they yeah. say Kevin should go first. This family <laughs> is the worst. They're worse. worst. They and most of them are just they still faceless idiots. but still don't care about Kevin.
0: It, Josh, the thing is, it was so on brand for this family that I almost didn't register it. As it was happening, I went, Wait, they all open their presents before Kevin. But then I thought to myself, <laughs> well, that's exactly what they would do. That's them. And
2: what did he do? He went downstairs, went outside, and gave the pigeon lady his other turtle dove Because Kevin be is the only one in this movie, while he may be a sociopath, who is also empathetic at all.
0: It, yeah, He has to really get to know someone, you know? And this is the yeah. same thing with the snow shoveler. Incidentally, am I the only person that ships the snow shoveler guy with the pigeon lady? I think Home Alone 3 They should have gotten them together. Old Man
2: Marley or whatever?
0: Oh, whatever. Old Man Marley and the Pigeon Lady? They're perfect together.
2: Perfect.
0: (laughs) Old Man Marley and the Pigeon Lady. What are the odds that, you know, Kevin would befriend two terrifying people, you know, like that in consecutive years? I mean, it's like when we talk about the fact that it is very much a rehash of the first Home Alone, like it is. like Like there are key, like... The le- same lesson is learned. <laughs> the same the same beats happen where you know he's terrified of some stranger and then he ends up befriending the stranger.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, and all of
0: that, like all those beats are there.
2: I think that's what makes it work so well is that they take the same beats and they or they take they just take it and they put it in a bigger sandbox, which is why they should have never made any more after this one.
0: Yeah, and technically they didn't. You and know, technically they, they didn't because you know, it's all
2: new cast, but
0: it's all new people holding. You know, like premise works, but like also. There is, it. I think there were a lot of people probably even in the 90s like, they lost that kid again. Like, it's like, you know, how many times are they going to lose this kid? And cause, it, like, it, it is kind of like the premise, the premise works twice at best.
2: Well, I and, remember yeah. growing up being taught in the 90s that someone was wanting to steal me at all times.
0: Yeah, Stranger Danger, man. And
2: I do wonder about... how
1: a modern day, I haven't seen any of the modern day Home Alone, but I wonder how they work because they, also, we talked about it last week with Ernest Saves Christmas, which you can go listen to if you choose. How this movie also to me feels like you can only make it in this time frame because now you have cell phones, you have all of these different ways of staying and communication. Whereas in the nineties and, and the early or late eighties, early nineties, it was believable that this could happen. It was a stretch, but everything was believable. But now, yeah. You know the power lines go down okay you can detect you get you're there you can stay in communication and right so i i wonder how you make them work in this day and age it was
0: i haven't seen them so i bet they don't but this situation in a lot of ways was more plausible than the first home alone because you remember like so to have a home alone today you would have to create you would have to come up with several reasons for the basic things we have now to not work cell phones home security systems you know Social media, all that stuff, right? There's hundreds of ways that you could communicate with someone you left behind. In the 90s, not so much. Kevin has no access to a phone, and he's in a city now where he doesn't even. Who knows what phone he could even be near? In the first right. Home Alone, the phone dies or something like that. They, like, they established Hour that in the, the neighborhood. police go to check on him, but he's scared to answer the police. So, like, that's your. I know. Those are like, I... those are like some ways they came up with to justify how. But like this, like how would they know he's at the Plaza Hotel? I Honestly. Know. The fact that they could, that they, you know, the credit card, the track of phone that was probably like a track of credit card. That was a pretty new thing-ish. That, yeah. yeah,
2: I wanted to, I was going to say that, that part honestly surprised me a little bit because I did, I just, I didn't think that's how they were still doing credit cards. You know, she, she's like, I don't even think he knows how to use a credit card. And my first thought was, how, what is there to know? <laughs> Hand it to him. But then it immediately cuts to that ka-chunk, ka-chunk machine, which to this day, I don't know how it works. Don't want to, don't need to.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure either. I'm not sure either. Like the evolution of the credit card scanner, it would be an interesting got up a, there with the Santas.
2: Y'all got a Santa favorite camp. a favorite part, a favorite booby trap, a favorite line, a favorite anything.
1: I'm always a fan of anything, Jim Curry. Honestly, the, the things in the second half of this movie, I feel like they run together so much that I can't decipher one from the other. The brick one, honestly, as I talk about it now, is the only one that stands out there. I know there was a nail gun and then, you know, Joe Pesci puts his head in the toilet and it explodes. But But nothing really jumped out as anything new. It was just kind of a
0: rehash. In terms of hurting the wet bandits, I do like the tool shed coming down the stairs. They go, what is that? That was the sound of a tool shed falling down the stairs. It's very in the imagery of that going down. So there's that. I think one of my favorite parts is probably the the gumption. The audacity of Kevin's parents giving the hotel staff static over them acquiescing to Kevin. And when they are the ones, Kevin played a role in it, but they were the ones that lost the kid to begin with. And they're like, why would you take a child in with no parent here? And it's like, well, it was very convincing. And it's like, and then he's like, madam, you know, you don't want to do that. And he's like trying to butt in and she slaps him, you know and stuff like that, and they're just giving them all kinds of heck, and I'm like, they deserve it a little bit because Tim Curry and Paul Rob Schneider, they are kind of jerks, but I'm like, you what, what moral ground do you dingbats, do you this, this collection of fools have to stand there and, and belittle
2: anyone for actually technically taking care of your child? You're exactly, you're totally right. You're totally right, and they are jerks about it. I've, at one point, I remember thinking that, you know, they... The hotel people may be right, but that doesn't mean they had any right to be so suspicious of Kevin. Right. Yes. Your suspicion was correct, but I don't know why you held it so strongly. They were a little bit
0: nefarious in their suspicion of Kevin, but honestly, technically, they were doing what they should have done, where they were like, that kid is unattended, or seems to be unattended, and they were checking in on him. They were just kind of nefarious in the ways they were doing it. But technically they were doing what the parents wanted them to do, which was why would you let him in here unattended? It's like, Well, he had a convincing story and he had the dad's credit card and we were like, Well, we'll see the dad here in a minute. He'll come down here and sign these papers and they never did, so we checked in on him and he was up in, and but he was in the bat he was in the shower seemingly. Like, you know, I don't know. It was if it, it but it, just for the dad and the mom to stand there <laughs> to yell at them. The, it was just...
1: The true standout star for me of this movie. Talk boy, talk boy, the talk boy, the talk, right? boy. The talk boy. I Credit had card? a talk boy. You've got it. Like I, this had movie. A, well, I had a little talk boy recorder back in the day. You oh, did. I loved it. I did.
0: I wish I still had it. It was amazing. That was like a fantasy item, as far as I was concerned. Like I, I never thought I would own anything remotely like that. It was dope, man. Like a regular tape recorder is what I had.
2: They were real no,
0: talk boy. Oh man, that I mean. It is such a movie item because I remember as a kid, I would watch films like Home Alone or, or i trying to think, I can't think of another good example, but I would watch these movies and kids would get these incredibly amazing toys. And I'm like, holy crap. How did he get like a full opera? Like, he, they, you know, kids would get like blank check comes to mind where they would have like, you know, these absurd toys. And I'm like, I don't know what I would do with that. This kid's got like a go kart and a go kart track. He's got like a giant mini golf course in his backyard this is like everything a kid could have you know i saw kevin you know riding in the back of a limousine eating pizza and i'm like this is the height of luxury you know it may or may not be two john maloney jokes i've stolen for this podcast but uh, hey we just gave him credit though we got it (laughs) there you go yeah i wish the talk boy i mean the movie it's it it kind of hangs on the talk boy
2: it's an important tool in kevin's arsenal of madness
0: it is it doesn't really play into the movie With the Harvin,
2: with Harvin Harry, but he did it throughout
0: the rest of it. Yeah. And that's another
2: way I appreciate the uh, the beats being changed slightly. In the first movie, Kevin also has to make a show that adults are still around. And so he does the same thing in this one, just in new creative ways. His talk boy, his inflatable clown in the shower. Like this kid is, he's too smart for his own good.
0: Yeah. And we would be remiss if we didn't also mention the 1940s movie or whatever, the gangster film that he's watching and the seller lines from that. And it's funny because, like, is it the repeat? Is it like the Merry Christmas, you filthy animal? Was that in the first one too? I mean, it's just.
2: I can't remember uh, the lore. Brother. I think it's supposed to be two different movies that are yeah. sequels of each other. But either way, Kevin has them memorized, and that's concerning.
0: He, he does. He has. He's totally into it. Uh, he has, he's got the pause and fast forward down in terms of exactly when he needs to stop it because he's queuing off right on Tim Curry's lines. It's pretty good. You were smooching with all of them and then Cliff and they look at Cliff.
2: Um, True. I'll get a little more Christmassy wholesome with my favorite part and say that it's when he gets settled into New York and he has the whole New York City montage at Christmas time where mm-hmm. he sees the lights and the skating rink, and he takes that, he, he takes a Polaroid at the top of the World Trade Center. Yeah. Like, I think that's, I feel like this is the movie that made me be like, wow, I want to go to New York someday. This is amazing. And still to this day, it felt really, I don't know, it should just be an ad for New York.
0: It is. It's a very romanticized (laughs) depiction of New York. It's extremely
2: romanticized, and... (laughs) It's funny because like at that point in time, I'm pretty, you know, someone could fact check me on this, but I think New York City was not as safe as it is considered today. Some people will say that it's never safe, but genuinely, I think crime was a bigger issue in the early 90s in the city than it is today. Yeah. And so even seeing that romanticized that time is like, it's cool. Yeah. I I have been dying to see New York at Christmas time basically since I saw this movie, I think
0: they they definitely do show both sides He you know later in the movie when he's walking sort of alone and he's in a you know worse side worse side of town it so they don't it's not an overly romanticized version of new york but just you know a kid and these tall buildings and the statue of liberty and all that it's so it's very much it would, does feel like a brochure for yeah. visit new york it um, is yeah it was really stunning i i had forgotten that he goes to you know they have a shot and they go to the top of the world trade center Um, Yeah, and
2: I don't even know if you could ever do that. I feel like Kevin snuck, because he was on the roof.
0: It was purely one of those things that only happens in a movie. Exactly.
2: And again, he's just like taking a freaking Polaroid up there as if that would look like anything.
0: Honestly, kind of an impressive shot because it's probably like a helicopter shot that they did. I assume a crew member or some crew members are somewhere off, you know, out of the shot. But like, you know, it's just Macaulay Culkin standing at the top of the World Trade Center, you know, by himself. It's a pretty cool shot.
2: It is cool because it really shows how massive those buildings were. Mm-hmm. You know, they the towers were always used in movies to kind of get a shot of, like, how tall they are, right? But mm-hmm. it's not often that there's a human on top and you can really get a comparison and see that, right. wow, those things were friggin'
0: They're huge. huge. Yeah. I mean, and it's always interesting to go back sure. to pre-9-11 and see them in films and see them in – and they were – I mean – They, I think, a lot of it's very possible that a lot of people our age who were, what middle school, right for during when nine eleven happened, the twin towers have become iconic mostly because so much of that day. But they were iconic before, like they were really like a piece of the 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 Tulsa, the New York skyline, (laughs) and just as much as the Empire State Building and Statue of Liberty and all that, like they were a big piece of what made New York. And it's always great to go back and watch these old movies and see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, didn't think we'd talk about that in the show, but
2: <laughs> man, it's fine. It's a cool, it a cool shot, deep. and it is part of that yeah. montage that shows the beauty of the city, and it's just like something you can't experience anywhere else. That kind of moment. But I digress. Yeah, we're, yeah. Let's talk about how this movie did commercially. Yeah. Was it as big of a hit as Home Alone one? I don't yeah, even okay. know. I uh, yeah.
0: Let me pull it up here because the first Home Alone did very well. It was a big hit. It was in theaters for almost a full year, um, for like over 400 days. So I guess over a full year now that I'm looking at it. First Home Alone was huge, and we talked about that last time. Or I think you guys did. I don't know if I was on that show. Home Alone 2 opened better. It opened on November 20th of 1992, two years later. And it opened to $31 million in 2,000 theaters, beating out Dracula, Malcolm X starring Denzel Washington, which also opened that weekend, Passenger 57 with Wesley Snipes, and at number five, A River Runs Through It. Um, all those movies did, did under 10 mil, except for Dracula, that did 15 million. But yeah, Home Alone 2 opened better than the first Home Alone, which definitely got that good word of mouth. This one, people were excited, and they were like, oh, big! it's Home Alone, this is going to be the new Christmas thing, we'll go see it. And, uh, and so perform performed well. It did not ride out that performance as well as the first Home Alone. The first Home Alone, just to jog, your brought in 285 million over the course of its whole run. And Home Alone 2 would finish in at 173 million. So a bit of a drop down, but also still quite profitable for what they did. Home Alone 2 was the number two movie of 1992 um, with that 173 million. At number one for the year of 1992, you had Disney's Aladdin, which brought in 217 million, Mm. the only movie to make more than 200 million at the box office that year. At number three, Aladdin tied into our Ernest Dave's Christmas episode
1: last week. Find out how
0: by going and listening to it. It's your goal. They make people watch. That you gotta watch. You gotta listen to watch review. Leave us a review for the Ernest Saves Christmas and all of these. Really, honestly, pretty stacked year nineteen ninety two. I'm just gonna read. I'm just gonna go through the top ten real quick. I won't give you the numbers. Get Aladdin at number one with two hundred million. Home Alone two. Lost in New York. So many sequels. So many Santa's previous Sony Santa's movie. Batman Returns at number three. Uh, number four. Leaf the Weapon three. At number five. A Few Good Men. At number six, Sister Act. At number seven, The Bodyguard. At number eight, Wayne's World. At number nine, Basic Instinct. And at number ten, A League of Their Own. Good I'm year. I'm upset by how high Lethal Weapon 3 is on that list. You, yeah, you don't think it should have been? Uh, it would have finished number four, 144 Not million. Not based on some of those other movies
1: that came out. I, there's <laughs> no way that Lethal Weapon 3. I, you can get, I'll get a
0: pass on one and two, but I don't think you can talk me into three. It's been a while since I've seen it, but you know it was a it was a hot it was a hot franchise. Mel Gibson was, it was. one of the biggest stars in Hollywood yeah. at that point in time. You know,
1: It's true. Joe Pesci was there for that one, I think, too. Oh yeah, And yeah, so was He was in the two third big one. And he was um, in the third
0: one. You know, eleven movies. We talked about it last week. Nineteen eighty-eight, only six movies made more than a hundred million. In nineteen ninety-two, eleven movies made more than a hundred million in the domestic box office. So those bigger we're starting to see those bigger numbers start to come up we're starting to see some more movies kind of they're in more theaters they're in theaters a little bit longer you know and things are really starting you know stack up that's really all i've got for home alone lost in new york not quite as high as the first one but still a pretty respectable number finishing as the number two movie of 1992
2: good deal to go into our letterbox game i've got some reviews from folks here. I'm going to start with one that is, it's a lot, okay? But this is the most popular review of the movie on the site with 2,589 likes. It is all one sentence wow. and it is all in caps. These are <laughs> the things you need to know because, you know, and I'm going to not say some of the words. Okay. You're not, but some
0: you're of
2: right. them I will say. Okay. Some of them you will. Marv gets fucking murked in this one. He got like four bricks right in the head, staples in the dick, fell through a hole on the floor, got paint cans all over him while a shelf hit him, got fucking electrocuted, got a massive sack of whatever that was on his noggin, got a huge metal bar in the face, and then on the chest fucking fell from him like on the third story of a house, got cans of varnish dumped all over him, then got attacked by Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, I mean, I know he's a horrible person, but Marv, are you okay?
0: Yeah, yeah. Marv gets it way worse because Pesci <laughs> doesn't get it quite that bad. Pesci you
2: know, might live that
0: through was, this
1: movie, you know. Yeah, I bet uh, that was contractual. I bet Pesci intimidated some people.
0: And not have to, to a, do as much. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs>
2: so then we've got two home, two alone. He's even more a loner this time. The Pigeon Lady is one of the most iconic side characters in Oliveson. Uh, I don't, I'll disagree. support that.
0: I'll support that.
2: Learning that Duncan's toy chest is not a real place is one of life's greatest disappointments. Mm, and then a you few good ones. These are for you, David. Kevin McAllister is wanted for attempted murder in three different states. The traps here are more bu- brutal than the ones in Saw. Some of them, and yeah. Are we just gonna pretend we didn't see that twinkle in Kevin's eye when he increased the voltage on the arc welder? <laughs> I was gonna say it. That was my <laughs> next comment was when Kevin turns up. He turns off <laughs> the electricity
0: on this guy. He's already electrocuting him, and he's like, and he's in, I'm like, this child, is. he's going to murder Buzz. You know? He's going to murder Buzz. Also, nothing of value is so, he, I will say he's an Avenger. I mean, these two
1: guys came after him in the first movie, right? He runs into him again. You could argue self-defense, and he's scared for his life, so he's defending could argue. Right? but also i don't know benefit, if
0: but. i don't know if premeditated traps set up that you're leading someone to <laughs> it counts as self-defense necessarily but I'm, you could argue self-defense
2: i mean we didn't even say it earlier but just as much as kevin could have chosen to just not mess with them they also could have just not messed with the child they could
0: have not chased him they could have said holy crap he took a picture of us let's get the heck out of here that, but and, all that, he had and, to do instead and after of running what
2: they went through in the first one it's obscene yeah. that they didn't
0: they just Honestly, after the brick incident, oh, the fact that Marv's still alive after the brick incident, when Harry, when Harry said, you go through the front, I'm going through the back, I would have said, F you, brother. I'm And he, I would have left. But again, again, Kevin did not need to lead them to the house. He had the photos. He could have just ran to the police station yeah, and right. say, I have photographic evidence of two men stealing from this store. Like, that's all he needed to do. And if they had chased, if they were dumb enough, which let's face it, they are, who chase him to the police station? Then there you go. But anyway, or he could have just gone straight to the park and just done the, the phone call and the fireworks. You know, he took that detour. He didn't have to, but he did. Yeah,
2: That's true. So,
0: but the, again, but, it is a, that, that there's a that part of the movie is a live action cartoon, and that's the part. That's why you bring in Pesci and Daniel Stern is to be a live action cartoon. Understand?
2: So, Josh,
1: it's your movie. What do you think? Or, go the,
2: yeah, I was gonna say with those popular letterbox thoughts, what do we think? The audience average is. I think it's gonna be reasonably high. It's been long enough since we did Home Alone that I don't have oh. any I don't remember at all what it is. I'm yeah. not gonna look. Well no. so, but I'm gonna guess it's like three point six. Mm.
1: Solid, yes, that's solid, yeah. Uh Garrett, I'll let you go. I'll call you go next. I think it ooh, I think it's three point eight. I think people like it. I think there's nostalgia. I think that people just really like it. I'm going to go on the other end of
0: both of you. I will say it's 3.3.
2: Okay. Got 3.3, 3.8, and 3.6. We, again, do not need a tiebreaker, but we also still don't have a direct hit. I know, we're off again. But, freaking again, David was the closest one.
1: Dang, yeah. he's killing the game. A he thing.
2: really
0: is a letterbox king. It's a 3.4. 3.4. 3.4 on letterboxed. You know, I said, my gut was 3.2. So I should have, I should have, and I would have, so I would have been further off by going with that. But I was like, they went, you guys went higher. So I was like, I'll just skosh up a little bit. I honestly
1: bit. was going to say 3.4. And then I thought, you know, I usually go low. I'm going to go high this time. And that backfired. Like ourselves
2: <laughs> out, man. Yeah, there goes your instinct. I know. Yeah, what do we give it? I believe it's a four-star movie.
1: I think I gave it a three initially, and then this conversation boosted it up just because it is fun. I mean, you gave it an extra half-star for a Christmas movie. You got a a three-and-a-half-star, Home Alone 2, Electric Boogaloo.
0: Yeah, I don't remember what I gave Home Alone 1. I am going to say... I also am going to say three-and-a-half because it does do some things better than the first, But there is an element of it was kind of repetitive. It is a little bit like it is a little bit longer. I think three and a half is fair. I'm going to go with that.
2: Okay. That brings us to like a 3.6 average. So there you go. We're just content with that. Very close to the letterboxd average, just a smidge higher, which I'm fine with. Because I like Mm -hmm. the movie a lot. Okay. Well, that is Amalon 2, Lost in New York. I I am kind of tempted to watch that latest one Mm
0: -hmm. just
2: to see. How they make it work? Because I yeah. didn't think about that when it, it came out.
0: Like you know, how do they get I around it. all the? How do they get like the internet? Today. But all in all, you know how you do
2: it. Least. You
1: set it back in the nineties and do it all over again. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would do. Not everything settings.
2: needs to be set today.
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. All right. Well, we have one more. I think. Right.
0: Right. We one have one more. Uh, uh, in this a, uh,
2: Andrew's pick. One more print. Yeah. Andrew's pick. He did tell us what he's leaning toward. Well, he told me and Garrett. David doesn't know. Oh, surprise for me. But he, I don't think he's finalized it yet. We'll find okay. out. We'll find right. out together next week. Let uh, me ask so you, is that will be everybody is actually final a Christmas, Christmas movie? When? I will say it's, I, will, I have to be honest and say I've never seen this movie. Is it Christmas themed
0: or is it a Christmas movie?
2: It's absolutely Christmas themed. I don't know if it's actually a Christmas movie. Have you seen that movie?
1: You
0: know what? I don't remember what he said he was going to do. Oh,
2: my oh. gosh. Okay. <laughs> I know.
0: I forgot. All right. Well, we will find out. I can't out. say
2: anything or it'll give it away.
0: We'll find out next week. <clears throat>
2: yeah, we'll find Which out next be, week and then we'll have one yeah. more episode after that, our year-end review where we're going to talk about our favorite movies of the year, probably our least favorites, biggest surprises, all that fun stuff still to come. Mm-hmm. But we'll be back next time. Follow us online, so many sequels.com. We got links to our socials there and you can subscribe to our Patreon to get access to our Discord. So, Go do all that. Just Google search so many sequels. All right. Merry Christmas. Christmas.